You know, and I was like, if I just had someone in my ear that understood what I was going through, and so I was part of, you know, I find comfort in podcasts. I listen to a lot of them because um, it's people who have shared interests. From the Texas Veterinary Medical Association in Austin, Texas, this is Veterinary Vitals, a show that features open and honest conversations with veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein, Media Coordinator for TVMA. If you've been enjoying this podcast, I have a feeling you'll probably like the podcast by the American Veterinary Medical Association. It's called My Veterinary Life, and I brought on one of the hosts so she could tell you about the AVMA podcast. Her name is Dr. Marcy Kirk, and she is also the AVMA Assistant Director for Recent Graduate Initiatives and Membership in Field Services. But how did she get into this role and become a podcast host? Well, let's start from the very beginning of her life. It's pretty typical. I actually don't remember a time not wanting to be a veterinarian. Um, So I usually say around the age of four because I do have like a thing from school. And it's really funny because they ask you what you wanted to be. And I actually put banker because I didn't know how to spell veterinarian. And even at that age, I was very nervous about that. And I thought if you shortened it to vet, that just meant veteran. And I didn't know that it could mean veterinarian. And my mom was a banker. So I just wrote banker because I knew how to spell it. (laughs) So, but if you ask anyone, it's all I've ever wanted to do. Oh, so why is that? Why did you want to become a veterinarian? You know, I try to think about that because again, I don't remember a time not wanting to be, but I just always loved animals. That's where it started. And then as you start learning more and more about the profession, you understand the impacts that you get to have on, on humans as well, which I think is very important. And then as you really start learning about it, you understand the impact you have on society and it just kind of ripples from there. And so yeah. you get to do something that you love, but then also have positive impacts on the world, which I think is pretty cool. So I didn't learn that until I was like well into it and already committed to it but it did definitely start with a love of puppies and kittens oh and did you grow up with animals so um when I was really young we had a, a dog and then in high school I got a beagle which taught me a lot um I think beagle owners can probably relate to that um she was not very well behaved. She was like kind of a medical, like I learned a lot about epilepsy and obesity Uh, and bladder infections. And I don't think she ever had stones, but, um, I learned a lot from her and she was like a textbook of what not to do. Like we were terrible at training her. She was adorable, but just this terror, but I do feel she kind of helped me, uh, learn a lot. Um, my current dog, I've, I've corrected a lot of my different behaviors. (laughs) He's much better behaved. Yeah. Wow. It's so interesting how one dog can teach you so much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which I I actually did appreciate it because we were in the vet office a lot with her. (laughs) So yeah, um, I liked that, uh, part of it, but, um, she was kind of a terror and, um, really, I think, my parents now only have cats and I kind of think that might be because of my dog growing up. Oh. And what, what was the dog's name? Her name was Lady Guinevere because the dog I had when I was little, um, was Lancelot. And so <laughs> I <laughs> did that. Uh, my current dog, um, who my parents do love to, to dog sit for, um, is Charlie, but I got him when he was a year and a half old. And so he already had. Okay. Name. 
Okay, got it. Yeah, it was funny. When I was growing up, our dog's name was Tina. <laughs> and that's just not really a typical dog name. I guess there aren't really, like, typical dog's names. You know, there's Fido. Uh-huh. Um, but Fluffy. Fluffy, yeah. And it was funny because it just sounds like my name. And my sister would say she'd like yell for me and then be like no I'm yelling for the dog actually (laughs) that's really funny I just saw this thing come through on social media that's like before you name a dog walk outside in the middle of the night and yell that name to see if it actually sounds like a good name to you at that point (laughs) because there is a lot of pressure in naming dogs I feel like I love it when people use human names though like it yeah it is funny I feel like the name Pam would be really funny (laughs) yeah (laughs) My um, roommate in vet school had two cats and she named them Beasley and um, Cooper, but she, she was going to go with like office last names. um, And I was on that track for it. So yeah, that was really funny. Um, Okay. So tell me about your career path. Where did you go to veterinary school and what did you do right after graduating? Yeah. So I say this a lot and whenever I'm talking about it, because I I really, I hope people can kind of learn from my, I don't want to say mistakes, but just, I, you know, I, I had this vision of what a veterinarian was. And to me, that was small animal practice. Like I knew there was large animal practice out there, but that's the lens that I looked at everything in. And I could not understand why you would go to veterinary school and want to do something else. You know, um, obviously that has changed, but I, um, am from Illinois and I always, there were three things I used to say when I was little, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to go to university of Illinois and I wanted to be valedictorian of my high school class. And I got two of three. So I went to university of Illinois. I wasn't valedictorian of my high school class. Okay. Um, I went to university of Illinois for all eight years. So I went straight through undergrad and then on to vet school. Um, and then graduated, did small animal practice for about five years, uh, and then got this role at the AVMA. And it was really, you know, I loved practice and I learned so much and I still have my license and I do relief work. I I haven't done it for a while because my schedule has been very full, but um, I do really enjoy it. Um, But I kind of got to a point in my career where I was like, okay, I'm not totally feeling fulfilled by this role. And my problem was because I'd gone through school and sort of only known this one thing, I didn't even know where to look or what to do next or how to find a job that was outside of, you know, clinical medicine. And I think that's something that we're all learning a lot more about. And so I do think schools do a better job of that. And and probably students are a lot um, better at paying attention to that than I was. Uh, so, but that is something I try to let people know. I mean, I, I know I'm biased, but I think the veterinary profession is one of the best ones out there. And we are trained in a way that our brains think a little bit differently. And so I can't think of a situation where we don't, I want to say, you know, like where we shouldn't have a seat at the table. I mean, veterinarians have been in Congress. They've been in space. We have a veterinarian who's a fellow at the U.S. Department of Transportation. Um, So there's just a lot of reasons why we should be there and the impacts that we have on society. So um, it was a struggle for me to find out where my place was. Yeah. But when I got down to it, what I loved about veterinary medicine is that I loved helping people, you know, and I got to help animals through that. And so when I saw this opportunity at the AVMA, it seemed to me to be an opportunity to help my people, so veterinarians, with a really 
what I viewed as a very tough transition because I was basically a student from kindergarten all the way through veterinary school. Right. Then you graduate and you have to learn kind of how to be a real adult and (laughs) a doctor and just so many other things. And it starts to add up. And I found that really challenging. So if I can even have a small impact on that, I, I feel that that's really successful and it's really important to me. And how did you come across the opportunity? So I think, and again, I'm probably a little biased because it worked out really well for me, but the AVMA's Veterinary Career Center, I think has a really good um, job board because it has really great filters Mm -hmm. that you can kind of look, and there's a whole section for AVMA jobs so that I could look at that too, but you can also filter by, you know, location or job type. So I had been kind of paroling, perusing that pretty, patrolling it was probably, um, (laughs) been looking through that pretty thoroughly. And then I saw this come up and I was a little nervous because I didn't check all the boxes. I wasn't, you know, that imposter syndrome thing, but I decided to just go for it. But I'd also, I found it kind of hard to find, um, I knew you could do industry, you know, like pet food companies, pharmaceutical companies, things like that. But sometimes you have to go through their like parent company, like Colgate or something like that. And it gets a little intimidating to find those jobs as well. Yeah. So I felt really comfortable starting at the Veterinary Career Center, which okay. worked out great because then I found this opportunity. And again, I think we're getting as a profession better about raising awareness of all of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And also people are getting good ideas to like, you know, do things in practice and then have side jobs and things like that. So I, I think we're really at a awesome point in this profession that things are kind of turning. Yeah. And so tell me what you do in your role. Yeah. So that's a great question. Cause there was definitely when I first started this job, you know, you think I was used to being in a clinic and it's kind of like, go, go, go. You're always on your feet. Sometimes you don't get lunch and you're, you know, helping animals. And like the first week I was here, I'm like sitting in front of a computer, looking at emails all day. And I'm like, what doing. <laughs> really intimidating. Um, and so, I mean, it is a lot of emails and communications, but I also get the opportunity to work on awesome projects and meet amazing people like you that I, I mean, I, we would never have met had we not, you know, had, had I not been in this role. Um, so obviously one of my passion projects is my veterinary life podcast. Um, it gives me the opportunity to work with one of my favorite people, my co-host, um, Dr. Anna Reddish, but also allows us to kind of grow the network and share about the veterinary profession and just bring positive stories to the forefront and learn about different careers. But I've also had the opportunity to work on a lot of our well-being initiatives and that's working with um, AVMA has a director of member well-being and diversity inclusion. So I've helped with some of those projects and um, some of the summits that we've put on. I work, we have an early career development committee and I work with them and we, um, last year, that was the first time we released a book that um, the graduating class got and it kind of focused on areas of career finance and well-being and then kind of stories from from the new grad perspective and we're working on version 2.0 this year and I'm really excited because you know it's kind of hard when you have this idea and nobody kind of knows what you're thinking and so then we have this tangible book and the I'm working on it, but the perfectionist in me was already like, okay, I've already seen a vision for the second one. (laughs) Now that people can see this tangible thing, I'm hoping we can grow on it and include even more stories and even more perspectives to just help people realize that, you know, it is a tough transition. No matter if you're graduating undergrad and starting your first job or veterinary school and starting your first like real adult job, we all have this. And so I think sometimes it feels a little isolating. And so my hope is that you hear perspectives or you see perspectives from your colleagues, because we are a small profession, 
um, and you realize that this is a pretty normal progression uh, through things. So those are just some of the highlights. Um, we, I get the opportunity to do a lot of fun things. I love going to conferences and, you know, there as an AVMA representative, but again, get to meet with people and kind of hear their experiences and things like that. So it's been, it's been great. Yeah. And I've heard that it's an isolating experience when you graduate from veterinary school because you're surrounded by all your peers and then all of a sudden you're out there a little bit by yourself and I learned that because we have the Power of 10 program where there's 10 recent graduates and they go through leadership development training, um, emotional intelligence, and we made a video and that was like a common theme that they talked about. So because of that, what do you guys try to do to make people feel less isolated? Yeah. And I shout out to power of 10. Cause I did Illinois first uh, power of 10. And I think that is a great program. So that's some, I mean, so a lot of things that we do is we start at the student level. We have a whole student initiatives team, which Dr. Anna Reddish is a part of um, Dr. Derek Hall um, and our other colleague, uh, Jackie Ross are kind of the main players right now. And they go out to all the veterinary schools and they talk, you know, and give presentations. But with the Early Career Development Committee, we've also developed some presentations like what I wish I'd known, you know, when I was getting ready to graduate. And one section is on isolation. And we talk about like how it's, you know, vet school is very stressful. It doesn't always bring out the finer qualities in all of us. And so at some point or another, you've probably been annoyed with your classmates. <laughs> However, these people are going to be some of your closest friends and some of your best allies and resources. So like stay connected. And so a lot of the things we do is just give people recommendations, you know, or ideas to stay in touch with those people as they're moving forward. So we're hoping to kind of start it before it even gets to isolation. But once you are isolated, I mean, that is part of why I started the podcast because sometimes when I was in the clinic at like two in the morning, you know, writing charts up, and this was before I had my dog, like my dog used to go with me now, you know, at there when I got him. And so that felt a little less, but I was convinced I was the only person awake besides the client that had just left in the whole world. And I was the only one going through this, yeah. you know, very poor, poor me, you know? And I was like, if I just had someone in my ear that understood what I was going through. Oh. And so that was part of, you know, I find comfort in podcasts. I listen to a lot of them because mm -hmm. um, it's people who have shared interests. Yeah. Um, but we also encourage people, you know, when you go to conferences, whether it's local or national, you know, find out who's going either from your class or from your school or that, you know, and like set up a time to meet up with them. And I think that's the key is like pencil it in or put it in your phone because that otherwise for me, it doesn't happen. Yes. So just really focusing on those relationships because they are really, really important. Um, even if it's just a quick text, um, or something like that. So that's, that's kind of some of the main ways we, we try to combat some of that isolation. So let's talk about my veterinary life. Um, so it sounds like the reason you wanted to start it was to make sure people don't feel alone. Um, any other reasons you want to? Yeah. So we got the name from myveterinarylife.com, which is the website that AVMA started um, for students, early career, and kind of that early mid-career. And again, it has, um, you know, things in the area of career, finance, and well-being. And it was initially because of the isolation, but what really got me started is actually Dr. Will McCauley. Um, he's a Texas A&M grad, and he'd actually be someone great to have on your podcast because he's had a really fascinating career. And he's also a big advocate for Power of 10 and organized veterinary medicine. 
but he was on the early career development committee and he was talking about his new role and how he has like three computer monitors and probably he was talking about like some of them have like stock. I don't know. Like he had a lot of stuff that I didn't understand (laughs) that were going on on all his computer screens. And he's like, that's just my veterinary life. And I was like, oh my gosh, Uh. we have to like share (laughs) what our veterinary lives are like, you know? And I, I initially thought it would be like this whole movement of like, oh, we could get like social media, like people posting pictures are like, that's just my veterinary life, you know? Um, but the, the thing that we're working on now is the podcast of people sharing their life. So my hope is that first of all, we feel less alone. Second, we might be inspired by other people's stories. I mean, our story is never going to match perfectly with somebody else's, but it might spark something for you to pursue or think about. Um, I always think about my classmate who has a blog and it's called Harry Potter vet. So he's really passionate about Harry Potter and he looks throughout his day to find ways to relate it to, to Harry Potter. to to relate veterinary medicine to Harry Potter. And it's like, anyone can do that with something that they love. Uh, So I I think that's really cool that you can bring two passions together. So, uh, you know, we're hoping that it inspires people to realize that there's so much we can do with this profession, whether that's in clinical medicine or beyond clinical medicine or a combination of both. Um, So that's really kind of how it has evolved so far. And we're continuing to evolve it. So, um, you know, Thursday episode, We've been doing this for almost a year, um, but Thursdays are our interview episodes, but we've started infusing like some fun episodes. We did a Would You Rather Vet Med edition and uh, coming up will be a True False um, at Vet Med. And then we'll have some where um, we're going to do a whole series on what we wish we'd known whenever we graduated and um, bring on like past guests to kind of help us with some of those fun, uh, just infusing a little fun into everyone's day, we hope. Yeah, yeah. I like those ideas. Um, and I actually did interview Dr. Willa McCauley, um, and it was about the transition from Perfect. being a recent graduate. And I know that we were going to talk more um, about mental health. Um, so, and, and does he know that he was the inspiration for the name of your podcast? Well, I've told him, (laughs) but I don't know if he remembers, but I'll have to go check that out. I I have, I'm a little back uh, on your episodes, but I love uh, listening to them because I I loved the one with Lori Teller and um, I need, I'm, I, I need to listen to, I'm on the CBD one right now. Okay. So the the one on Dr. McCauley is not out yet. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay. So I didn't miss it. I was like, dang, I can't believe I missed that. (laughs) No, no, you didn't. Um, Okay. And so tell me about any of the challenges you faced when you were starting the podcast, because I know it's not easy when you're just figuring out, figuring it out and you haven't done it before. So, uh, so there's obviously always the technical challenges. Um, you know, there's, and actually, even though we've been doing this a year now, I just had, um, luckily it was someone I knew pretty well, but major, like my internet network wasn't working and it would just drop and she would still be talking apparently, and I couldn't hear and it wasn't recording. And it was just this big mess, but I have learned how to edit. So I was actually able to salvage it, but it was like very stressful. Yeah. And it was one uh, that my uh, co-host, Dr. Anna Reddish is currently on maternity leave. And uh-huh. so it was one of the first ones that she couldn't join me on. So I was like, ah, I'm all alone. Yeah. <laughs> so aside from those, you know, it was really hard for me in the beginning to just put ourselves out there and ask people to come on because I'm like, we don't really have anything to show for this. We have a couple episodes. Nobody really knows what we're doing here. It's kind of the first thing, first time we've tried something like this. I mean, I think it helps that we have the AVMA, 
you know, name with it yeah. because that's, you know, a well-known name, but you know, Anna and I are not necessarily uh, well-known. So these people, you know, and so over the last few months, I've kind of refined my approach to like, you know, reaching out to people. And I can also be like, Hey, you can check it out and listen to an episode. We have a whole catalog of episodes, like 68 episodes or something. Um, on Apple podcasts or, you know, Spotify or wherever, you know, people listen and then kind of get a feel for it that we're, you know, I don't want to say legitimate because I still don't feel quite like that, but th this is a real thing, you know, that yeah. we're putting out there. So that kind of getting over, like you said, the imposter syndrome and the intimidation uh, factor, it, it was, we launched in, we started recording in January, but we didn't launch them until like February, March of last yeah. year. And then in August of last year, we went to a podcast conference Okay. And, you know, it, I really wish I'd been a little sooner because we learned a lot from that. Uh, and we kind of put off trying anything new with the podcast because we're like, we're going to learn so much from that conference. So we'll implement a lot of new ideas from that. So um, that was kind of the challenge because this is not, they don't have a podcasting class in vet med, uh, in no. vet school. It's, <laughs> it's definitely not covered. So that's why you have to have like a, I, I'm so impressed with you because you do this all by yourself and I have kind of, I feel like a little bit of a security with my co-host uh, that can kind of pick, pick up some of, like if I'm stuttering or having a bad day, like she's so poised and uh, uh, really, really a good partner. That does sound nice to have a co-host. Well, we do have an office cat. <laughs> she could be our co-host, Luna, but I don't think it would turn out well. Um, <laughs> She can but, just be the silent support. Charlie, yeah. my dog, um, and then a Anna's dogs, Hayward and Georgia May, have definitely been, in our hopes, silent uh, supporters. Every once in a while, they get a little rowdy, but um, she's in Atlanta, uh, okay. so we're always doing it remote, but if I'm ever recording at home, uh, our dogs are always there. And it, it is kind of nice to have just another, like, you feel like they're cheering you on. Yeah, and so she's in Atlanta, but AVMA is based in Chicago, so do uh -huh. So I'm just curious about her role. Like, does she, does she just work remotely for AVMA? Yeah, yeah. So um, that's becoming more common. But whenever they set up the student initiatives team, um, they visit all of the veterinary schools. So they kind of divided the country into thirds. And so they wanted someone in the Eastern region and someone in the Western region because they already had someone in the, you know, middle where okay. we're located. Uh, and so uh, when she was applied, she was able to be remote. I think she came in, um, she was hired before I was, um, came in for some training and she definitely comes to the office from time to time and obviously goes out to the conferences whenever um, it makes sense. But yeah, she's 100% remote, which <laughs> I work remotely one day and I think my yeah. partner is very glad that I don't do that more because like he comes in the door and I'm like telling him all about my day because I haven't talked to another human being. <laughs> So I think uh, it takes a very special person uh, to be remote all the time. It sounds very glamorous, uh, yeah. but I think I need the human interaction. So yeah, I think I do too. That is nice. Although there are some days where you're just kind of like, I just want to get this work done. And like, people keep wanting to talk to me. Actually, that's, that. <laughs> me, but it does or it doesn't. No, I, I usually want to talk. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then tell me how the podcast has been received like what's the feedback you've gotten of people I mean obviously I reached out to you so <laughs> it makes yeah. me so happy when people reach out because you know I know this isn't like um this isn't like a 
blockbuster podcast, right? It's not like going to make the charts in any of the top 10. So we don't have people just like knocking down the doors to, to come on. So we still reach out to people regularly, but when anyone sends, I have one coworker, her name is uh, Gina Luke and she listens every week uh-huh. and she sends us notes about them. And it is so sweet. And we've had several coworkers that have done that. And it, it yeah. means the world to us. Cause you know, when you're doing a podcast, like it's just you and me right now, but yeah. we know it's going out to people that we don't know what they're thinking or what they're seeing, which is what I love because when you do an actual presentation, you're getting real time feedback and you're like, is this, is this going well? I can't, I don't know. Yeah. Cause in my head, the podcast is always going well. So. Right. Right. Um, but it was, it's, it's been really good and it's definitely been picking up steam here recently. And I think it's, uh, you know, we've been consistent. We haven't missed a week and we've thrown in a few bonus episodes that come out on Tuesdays. Sometimes we have the support of a great, uh, partner in uh, Hills pet nutrition that helps us kind of maintain that weekly flow. Um, and so it is gaining uh, momentum and we do tend to hear from people more and more, uh, cause they are starting to understand. I think it helps. It's on our online learning platform, AVMA Axon, and we're going out to conferences and talking about it and, and kind of hosting things. So people get some familiarity with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're being more bold about saying, cause we're really proud of it. You know, yeah. in the beginning we were a little nervous, um, but we're like really proud of this now. And so we're, we're going out and, um, my, my best moment so far uh, was I went to University of Illinois to give a presentation. And at the end of it, one of the students came up to me and she was like, you know, I was listening to you talk and I was like, I've heard this voice before. Oh. And she's like, as soon as you then mentioned the podcast, I realized that's where I'd heard you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a really big moment for me because it means that people are, you know, the word is getting out and that's what we hope. And yeah. we realize with weekly episodes that are almost an hour long, like you're not going to listen to every single one, but hopefully you see some that like, you know, catch your attention. So, um, we always ask, we set really lofty goals for ratings and reviews and we haven't met any of them yet, but we're, we keep plugging away, hoping people will leave us, um, ratings and reviews. Well, it's good to have big goals. (laughs) Then you can shoot for the stars. That's always good. Um, I have to say, I did listen to the latest one last night, just so you know, I still had the feel of what you do. And um, I really liked it because it was about inclusion and diversity. Uh And I think that's so important to talk about. So I think that was great that you guys had that topic. Yeah. And we definitely want to do that more. And you can tell how important it was because we both recorded that while we were sick. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. I I couldn't really tell you guys were sick. Oh, good. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. Good. Cause when I was listening to it again, cause I don't know how you feel. Cause I know you do your editing too, yeah. but I'm kind of immune to the sound of my voice now. Like at first it's like really uncomfortable, but then I heard that and I'm like, Whoa, you do not sound like yourself. Um, but I've heard from other people that it really wasn't that bad. So I, yeah. I just thought it was a really important topic and it meant even more because, um, the student we had on Sean Gadsden, um, reached out to us and, I'm hoping we can do more with that because that's something that our uh, director of member well-being, diversity, inclusion, Dr. Jen Brandt, um, is really passionate about. And so I think keeping those conversations going um, is really important. That episode came out on February 6th, and it's titled Diversity and Inclusion in Vet Med with Sean Gadsden. All right. So I want to know what your favorite podcasts are. (laughs) 
<laughs> my gosh. I listen to so many podcasts. So I definitely, Veterinary Vitals uh, is a great one. It's on my feed. It. <laughs> uh, and there are some great other veterinary podcasts. So like if you're looking for more of that Scrub yeah. Chat and Purr podcasts, they're all really good. There's so many. Everyone I've listened to, I've loved. Um, and, but if we're talking about non-veterinary uh, if you listen to even one episode of my veterinary life podcast, you'll know that I'm a huge Disney fan and I pretty much incorporate that into almost every conversation. <laughs> so so I love the Be Our Guest podcast. Uh, and I'm also a big fan because I'm a child of the 90s um, of the American Girls podcast. Uh, it's going book by book and reliving it with two PhD historians. And they kind of talk about how historically accurate or perhaps inaccurate the books are. And so I listen to a lot of Disney podcasts, running podcasts, and then the American Girls podcast, if I'm not listening to like some veterinary ones. Got it. Yeah. And when I listened to your episode yesterday, you talked about, oh, your co-host, Dr. Reddish, she said, I love documentaries. And I also do. And then you said one of your favorites were <laughs> they were on Disney Plus. Yeah. And they were about did you say puppies or kittens? What yeah, it? it's called Pick of the Litter. And it's about puppies that um they they follow these puppies through becoming like guide dogs for the blind. Yeah. And it's so good. And I don't I I'm so curious of how that was made. I don't, I'm not going to spoil it for people, but I have a lot of questions because um, a lot of these puppies were really impressive. And so I don't know if they filmed a bunch of them and then kept the most impressive ones or if they just lucked out. I don't know, but it, yeah. it's a really good and uplifting uh, animal, human animal bond story for sure. Wow. So sounds like for your next episode, you should have the documentarian and some dogs on the show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> about it. I know. I need to get more bold in reaching out to things like that for sure. <laughs> we have had, um, I'm trying to remember if it was in April. I think it might've been in April last year. We had a veterinarian that worked for, um, I'm going to get this wrong, but um, she worked basically for a local guide dog in Florida. Um, and I should look up her name while we're sitting here, but it was so good to hear how she got that job, first of all, because it is kind of a lot of times through word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure people like network and grow their, you know, grow those connections. Um, but then she was sharing like all these moments that they have people come back and talk about like the impact the dogs have had in their lives. And it's, it was so good. I really enjoyed that. Um, that episode. Let me see if I can find her up. Yes. So they, they, cause they call them mission moments and it's Dr. Sharon Pindar and okay. it was so good. It actually came out in July. So that's how good my memory is. But, um, <laughs> I loved that interview and she, was so good and um yeah just really uplifting and again it just emphasizes the impact that veterinarians get to have it we're so privileged to work and emphasize that human animal bond and what it can do mm -hmm. yeah and so I know with your podcast you end with some final questions so I looked at um one of your questions and I thought I'd ask you about it because I really like this question um which is what is one of your favorite stories from your veterinary career so far? I should have been prepared for this question probably <laughs> since I ask everyone. It is tough because then you have to rack your brain. Um, or yeah. 
I could ask a, a different one from your. I can come up with one. Oh shoot. Okay, so I, this is this is one of my favorite stories for a couple of reasons. So I've said time and time again that surgery was not always my favorite thing, mm -hmm. um, and I knew that in school. Um, but I was out a couple of years and I actually had the opportunity to do my first C-section, uh, which was actually on a Mastiff. So not an easy one, but this was her third, like difficult pregnancy. And I said, I'm, I won't do this unless we spay her. And the owners were on board because they're like, this is, you know, getting ridiculous. And we weren't sure exactly how many puppies she had, but we knew it was a lot. And so we had recruited help to like, you know, warm the puppies and, and do all the things you needed to do. And then I had one person dedicated to mom watch, like mm. watching the anesthesia and doing all that. Cause that's what I was nervous about. Yeah. So we're, we're all seeing there. I'm already nervous because like surgery, not my thing. We've got this 200 pound dog that I'm like going to, you know, operate on. And there's like 10 people in the surgery room with me. Wow. And it's dead silent. And I'm going to make my first incision. And I was like, okay, somebody has to start talking. I can't handle like the pressure. I have like sweat running down me. Uh, and so people started chattering and, and it, and it worked out great. Um, it was a very successful procedure. Um, yes. all the puppies that were alive, we delivered alive and they stayed alive and mom did oh. fantastic. I saw them at their checkup, but it was just that moment of like, this is really intense. Like somebody has to start talking and it's not going to be me for once. Yeah. Yeah. I know silence can be a little scary. Yeah. So, but they, it was, it was a good experience. Um, but that was, I, I really like that, uh, story. I'm sure I could come up with some other ones, but on the fly, that's one of my favorite ones. And I have a picture of me holding all the puppies all at once. And it was like, oh. that's what people envision veterinary medicine being like. And I was like, this is one of those days you need to remember because you came in, saved the day. It was a successful outcome and everybody was, was happy. Well, maybe you could send me that picture and maybe I, I can send that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that wraps it up unless there's anything else you'd like to share that you can get a chance to about your career, the podcast, living in Chicago. I lived there for three years, so I know. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Well, you are probably really glad you're not here because as we're recording this, um, we're ready for our first really, really cold of this year. We've been very spoiled, but we're the temperatures are going to start stop start dropping and we're projected to be somewhere in the feels like negative 20s by Thursday. Yes, I've remembered that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I just really appreciate you first of all reaching out because it means so much to me and for doing your podcast because I really enjoy it and I'm excited to to keep listening and see how yeah. you uh, grow the show. And, um, yeah, this has been really fun. I'm hoping we get to cross paths again soon. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. I was really excited to hear that. And it's just so different to interview a podcast host. So I had a lot of fun. Oh, good. Good. Well, we'll have to come up with some more opportunities to work together. Yeah. That sounds great. That was Dr. Marcy Kirk. In case we didn't fully explain what the podcast entails, here's part of the description. My Veterinary Life podcast shares stories from across the veterinary profession. Listeners will hear firsthand how guests got to where they are today. It is not always a straight line and often includes some challenges. The hosts, Drs. Anna Reddish and Marcy Kirk, will discuss with guests how they overcame these challenges 
and what lessons they learned along the way. Through these lighthearted, often hilarious stories, listeners will better understand what is possible in the veterinary profession. All right, now go subscribe and give it a listen. But not just yet. First, I need to tell you about the next episode of Veterinary Vitals. We'll hear from the person who inspired the name for the My Veterinary Life podcast, Dr. Will McCauley. He shares advice to recent graduates. Get involved early in your career in some aspect of organized vet medicine. This episode will mark the beginning of a mini-series about recent graduates. So if you're a recent grad or you work with recent grads, I recommend you listen to the next few episodes. We'll explore the importance of mentorship, the Power of 10 program, and just what it's like to be a recent graduate right now, from the challenges to the victories. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and write a review. Thank you for tuning in to Veterinary Vitals. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein from TVMA.